Hi, this is FBG Jen. And FBG Kristen. And I'm FBG Margot, host and producer. You're listening to the podcast that will help you keep a lid on the junk in the trunk and inspire you to live a happy and confident life. Each episode, we chat with motivational experts and celebs and share our own candid adventures in being healthy. If you're looking for a podcast that's equal parts hilarious and enlightening, well then welcome to the Fit Bottom Girls podcast. Welcome back to the Fit Bottom Girls podcast. This is FBG Margot, and on the line today we have Jen. Hey. And we have Kristen. Hi guys. And this is super duper important. We have a two part episode coming up. This is part one today. Part two will come next week. So we talked to Daniel Laporte. This is a fascinating, amazing interview. We had such a great time talking to her. She is so wise. And this is my introduction to Daniel Laporte. So I wanted to ask you both, what is your experience working with Danielle? How did you first meet her? You know, how have you worked with her in the past? You know, get, let the audience know who she is. Oh my gosh, Margo, I can't believe that your first introduction to Danielle Laporte was talking to her. Like, (laughs) that is amazing. Okay, so I can't even remember exactly how I learned of her or started following her, but this is actually the first time, I guess we're technically an affiliate of some of her products. So that's how much um, we kind of fell in love with some of the stuff that she was doing that we signed up to be an affiliate for hers. But this was the first time we've ever really done anything collaboratively like this with her. Years and years and years ago, I stumbled across a lot of her work, signed up for her emails, and just kind of fell in love with her voice. So much of what I felt like, and she does a lot in the self-improvement space, but she does it with an edge that is not, yeah, I don't, it's not like a lot of like motivational speakers that you hear. She's very like raw in herself and doesn't make any sort of um, pretenses that she's not perfect or that she doesn't mess up. She's like, I don't have all the answers. Like, I'm kind of like, I'm not your guru, you know, but I will share with you what I've learned and what I know to be true. And it's always just resonated so much with me and her whole entire approach, which she describes in the interview that we did about core feelings and taking a goal. I think this is what really looped me into a lot of her work is she took a, she like, will take a goal and be like, why do you want that? Find the re- the reason, the feeling behind that, and then find how you can get that feeling into more areas of your life. And it's actually something that Kristen and I have, you know, like we know what our core desired feelings are. We know what each other's core desired feelings are because they are the things that kind of make us tick and we even have ones for like the business like what's the business going to feel like Um, what's fit bottom girls going to feel like what do our readers kind of want to experience and feel and so this was I mean I was so excited for this interview that I was like nervous writing questions before because I was like (laughs) oh my gosh what am I gonna what am I gonna ask her of all the things in the world like what It, it was so difficult for me um but I feel like I mean she gave us a full hour in some ways I mean, I'm so happy that she decided to give a, to, I know she's very selective with her press and the interviews and things that she does. So it was kind of a, a big deal that she said, said yes to this. I'm so happy she did. And then what's funny is that before I got on to do the podcast, I was kind of, kind of nervous, but like mostly really, really excited. Like I had this like amped up energy. And then as soon as we got on the call, I feel like she was so, she's so like centered and kind of like zen. Like she's still funny and peppy and, you know, all those things. But she's just pretty 
pretty calm, pretty chill. And I feel like we all just kind of like settled down and had the best conversation. I could talk to her for forever about everything in the world. Yeah, it was. I followed her for a while. I like her. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she's all right. Yeah, and I want to reiterate that it was really a a wonderful, um, a wonderful feeling to get on the phone with her and just start talking. And immediately it felt like we were just having a conversation kind of shooting the shit, you know, except for with someone who we've thought is super awesome and amazing and a leader for a long time. So, you know, it's neat to, they always say, you know, don't, don't meet your idols or whatever. And I don't know, like I, I think that she's done a really amazing job and I've looked up to, to her and to her success and to her um, approach to so many, so many things. And it was really wonderful to just chat with her. I'm like, I wish that you could come over for a glass of wine after this and we could break it down. Although we covered so much in this that I don't know. I know that we would find other things, but we, we really covered a lot. I I was trying to explain this interview to some friends of mine the other day at, um, at breakfast and they were like, and they weren't familiar with her because they're just sort of not, uh, not as much in that realm. And, you know, I, I had such a hard time coming up with a nice, succinct explanation for, you know, for her, for what she does, for what we talked about. I was like, I don't know, I need another hour to tell you about it. So you may as well just listen to the to the actual interview when it comes out, because that's what I would do. And there's some like, beautiful truth nuggets in there. Yeah. <laughs> there's like so many quotes that Kristen and I were like writing down during the entire time. And I, you know, I, I'm always trying to I check all, all the recording and the volume and everything like that and the questions and seeing how everything's going. And with her, I'm just sitting at my desk with my hand next to my ear, like trying to listen as closely as possible because she's so wise and interesting, but she's down to earth too and very real. And it, it just was, it was such a pleasure and such a great experience. And so did you guys want to talk about like why we decided to break this into two parts? Yeah, well, I think it, there was just... A, there was so much to digest, um, and she gave us the full hour. So we're like, okay, you know, I don't think we've ever run a podcast episode that's been quite that long, and it's just so meaty that I want to make sure that the listeners have enough time to almost kind of like digest it. And really, we asked her about so many different things that I feel like how we have it broken down, like the first half and the last half, which this, the next episode talks a little bit more about like her creative process. And we get into kind of some music stuff, which I think is really interesting. But yeah, I, it just made it just made total sense. So we lead off the show with this interview we talked about, or I think it's where we lead off, but it's where uh, we talked about the good girl syndrome. And, you know, not wanting to be the bad girl, not wanting to be the bitchy girl, you know, we want to be the good girl, we want people to like us and appreciate us and be, you know, and how that can really inhibit your growth and your enjoyment in life, because you're just putting other people first all the time. And I just, I really loved her discussion about that. Uh, me too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was really powerful. Because it's, <laughs> it was funny because, you know, we, she was like, it comes down to, you know, we want to be liked. Well, maybe I just gave too much away. I don't know. But it was just, it was so spot on, such a good, strong answer. But um, what it, the other thing that it really comes down to is, you know, that we're trying to, to please the patriarch. And we'll get into a lot more of that there. But it was just like, you know, she's known for these, for her truth bombs. Like you can subscribe to them. Uh, Jen gave me a 
a deck of cards for not like playing cards, but um, like pull out and read them cards for Christmas with the are just all of her truth bombs. And I was just like, boom, you just dropped one on us right there. It was, I mean, yeah. there are a lot of those though, a lot of those moments. That's so true. And I thought that she was also like, it's like her attention to detail is so high. So like, even when she was asking, like answering that question about people pleasing, like she kind of follows a lot of that up with being like, but I still want to be generous. So mm-hmm. it's like it, it, so much of it is looking at your intentions. Like, are you trying to do the right thing so that you don't get in trouble or so that you're easygoing, you know, or is it you're really trying to like be helpful because you have generosity in your heart and that's your goal. So I, I, I thought that she she explained that in a way that wasn't as cut and cut and dry as I've heard it a lot of times, but that I, I think is, you know, the honest to goodness truth. And I love what she talked about at the top of the show also was about like what she likes to talk about with her girlfriends when they're just hanging out, having a glass of wine or meeting for coffee or going for a walk in beautiful Vancouver, Canada. And it, she had some really great topics. So I wanted to ask you guys, when you're hanging out with your girlfriends, what do you talk about? Well, recently I've been talking about this interview. I mean, on it. <laughs> Kristen, I know Kristen said it too. We're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm talking about Daniel Laporte. I'm like, we talked to Daniel Laporte. It was great. Um, no, I mean, recently, like, there's so much, and I don't know, gosh knows what can happen um, in, like, the news and stuff by the time this comes out. But mm-hmm. political current events are always, like, it, the topic du jour at least for a little bit because it's like every time something new happens there's kind of like almost a new processing I feel like um that happens and then for a lot of my uh friends with who are moms I mean we're definitely talking about like the mom struggle and you know the hard stuff but the easy stuff too the good stuff and then just kind of what the idea of what it is honestly to like be a mother and a woman and a business owner. Like, I feel like there's been a lot of discussion recently on on roles and what those roles are, what those roles should be. And then also how we can start to kind of change what we do so that our kids see different roles so that they are able to maybe not have, maybe we can figure some, some things out in this generation as, as mothers and as women mm-hmm. before our kids go up and they do the same thing. So what, what about, about you? you guys? Yeah. What about it's you, Yeah. Well, yeah. Politics and current events definitely, <laughs> definitely gets covered. I mean, I actually have a friend who is running for office for the first time. And so that's been, um, that's really been a, a big topic of conversation um and it's it's local it's here in sarasota but it's i mean you want to talk about a huge learning curve like geez oh pete's you guys there's there's a lot to know if if one is running for office and also as it turns out if one is supporting one who is running for office and we talk a lot about work because honestly i have a lot of friends who are freaking brilliant and they're killing it and none of us feel like anyone should have to reinvent the wheel so if we know something we share. If we have something good happen, we share because, you know, it's not bragging. It's, it's sharing something that's good and that you're excited about. And, and when something's hard, when something's challenging, we share uh, because that's how you get through it. And, you know, we, a lot of times, you know, you're not the first person to have dealt with whatever it is you're dealing with. So, and sometimes just, just verbalizing it, just, getting it out there among 
your people helps you get get through it. And then the other big topic around here has been travel. Uh, I got back not not so long ago um, from Europe. And we had some other friends who were in Europe and then other friends who, we just have had a ton of people traveling. And that's been a really wonderful diversion because we, I'm in Florida, we had the hurricane hit and that was supposed to go right over literally like our neighborhoods and everything went fine. But it was like at the same time when we had a whole bunch of people traveling and out of the country and out of the state. And so getting together and then like sharing these wonderful travel stories and the things that we we loved, the things that were hard, the things that we that we learned when we were somewhere new. Um, that's that's been a really nice diversion. Mm-hmm. I would like to do more of that. So yeah, I think those are the main topics we're covering these days. Uh, but what about you, Marco? Same, same, same. I mean, I've had a lot of friends who've been traveling lately, and I've been dying to hear about where they're going because it makes me want to, you know, make, plan my next trip coming up. But a lot of it, of course, politics. Um, but also for us, especially a lot of my friends are single. It's a lot of pop culture. What are you reading? What are you watching on Netflix? Mm. Where do you, who are you seeing Ooh, at the yeah. city winery? Like a lot of stuff like that. Cause you, we need diversion. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> you need really healthy diversions outside of fitness and everything like that. But lots of books and movies and what's on Netflix, what's on Hulu and city winery is like a big place. We like to go and see music out here. It's like a smaller venue. It's a little more intimate and that's been like a big topic of conversation among my peeps uh, here in Brooklyn. What are you reading? I'm reading right now Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Uh, I like <laughs> to read something scary, you know, in the in October. So Mary yeah. Shelley's Frankenstein. And then I'm going to be reading uh, Rebecca by uh, Daphne du Maurier. That's going to be my next Ooh. one. So I'm going with the classics right now. Nothing new. I'm trying to think if there's something new lately I've been reading. I think those are it. What are you guys reading? I just finished Americana. Oh, you did. We haven't I, talked about it yet. I know, and then I and then I sent it on to Tish because I was like, "Well, you got to spread the you got to spread the love when you read an amazing book." Yeah, it was amazing. Yay. I kind of wish it had a, I don't know, maybe a different ending, but I'm I don't want to give anything away. Yeah, I'm also like, okay, no, I'll give stuff away if I keep talking, so I won't talk about it. Yes, <laughs> yes, no giving things away. Um, yeah, I I'm on an Outlander kick, so I'm. Which and I love them because they're like long and intricate, and uh, I'm I'm on the fourth book right now. So I I I think they're I think they're just like really wonderfully written. And um, yeah, and the the first one is like a lot of sex, like a lot. Yeah, um, that's right here. I'm not mad at it. Um, that's part of what I like But if that is something that was not your jam, if you read the first one, um, there's less of that going forward. She still says nipple a lot, um, I'll be <laughs> but, uh, but it's also just like, I mean, it's fascinating. She is, she's brilliant. So, but you know, you can also watch it on stars and that's pretty good too. Yeah. I was going to say, do you think it's close to the book or the, the show? Um, I've only seen the first season and I had read the first book kind of a long time ago, but it really, I thought it matched up better than I expected. Like I definitely the scenes that I remembered from the book matched very well with what I saw on screen. But I also like I, it, I read it long enough ago, and there was enough time in between that I'm not certain. Like I have no idea how much they cut or added or any of that. But I enjoyed both thoroughly. So, so yeah. I have a recommendation for you guys. By the way, if you're looking or, for diversion, we should have asked what Danielle was reading. Yeah, we that should have. Oh question. my god, that's so. Yeah. 
Well, we have to have her on again. We'll just next have to invite time. her back next time. So I have a recommendation for you both. Yes. It's, it's, it's a Netflix show, and it's kind of filthy, but it's hilarious. And it's called American Vandal. And it's this seven-part series. It's 30 minutes each. And it just makes fun of all those tropes about shows like Serial and The Jinx. And it's like a true crime. Like, it's a phony true crime show. But it takes place in a high school. And it's I'm not going to say too much about it. But if you're looking for diversion, it is so funny. It's so great. It's like seven episodes, 30 minutes each. You'll just dive right through them. So that was something that was passed around from friend to friend to friend to me over here. So fun. if you're looking for awesome. something fun, yeah. So are we ready for part one of Daniel Laporte? Yeah, let's do it. All right, we're getting right into it, guys. Daniel Laporte is an invited member of Oprah's Super Soul 100, a group who, in Oprah's words, is uniquely connecting the world together with a spiritual energy that matters. She is author of White Hot Truth, Clarity for Keeping It Real on Your Spiritual Path, The Firestarter Sessions, and The Desire Map, A Guide to Creating Goals with Soul. The book has been translated into eight languages, evolved into a yearly day planner, a top 10 iTunes app, and an international workshop program with licensed facilitators in 15 countries. Named one of the top 100 websites for women by Forbes, millions of visitors go to daniellaporte.com every month for her daily truth bombs and what's been called best place online for kick-ass spirituality. A speaker, a poet, a painter, and a former business strategist and Washington, D.C. think tank executive, Entrepreneur Magazine calls Danielle equal parts poet and entrepreneurial badass, edgy, contrarian, loving, and inspired. Her charities of choice are Eve Ensler's V-Day, a global movement to end violence against women and girls, and Charity Water, setting out to bring safe drinking water to everyone in the world. She lives in Vancouver, British Columbia, with her favorite philosopher, her son, you can find her at Danielle Laporte at just about everywhere on social media. She is here today to talk about core desired feelings, self-improvement, her planner and new book, body image and authenticity. Welcome to the show, Danielle. Mm, it's, it's so nice to like be in a trio kind of interview. So I'm stoked. <laughs> <laughs> well, of this trio, this is FBG Margo. And on the line today, we have FBG Jen. Hello. And we have FBG Kristen. Hi, guys. Hey, so I'm so lucky because I get to ask you the first question. So your book, White Hot Truth, is all about calling BS on a lot of the misguided and unconscious reasons people seek out self-improvement, books, and experiences, and et cetera, in order to change who they are rather than learn to accept themselves as they are. So it reminds me so much of our line that you can't hate yourself healthy. So did you have your own personal aha moment with that? And can you talk about how to know the difference between how to become more aware of your true intentions? That's a great line. I mean, really, you can't hate yourself healthy is the thesis of my book. And the like the solution to that is the best self-help is self-compassion. So um, my aha moment was I was just really tired. I was like so done. Uh you know, I don't learn in lightning bolts. It's usually a little, like this little kind of tweak in my awareness. And then there's another tweak and another tweak. So the series of tweaks was that, you know, one day I was looking at my day planner and I had therapy and then I had a Skype meeting with a shaman and then I had an astrology session scheduled and then there was yoga and I always put little smiley faces 
when I would actually make it to yoga class and then there's a spin class and then, you know, and I just like all of this healing and self-helping is taking up too much time from what I really want to be doing, which is being creative and alive and being in my business, which actually, as it turns out, is really healing. And, you know, there's a time to go full throttle on, on the healing modalities when you're in crisis. And there's a time when I think you can go overboard and it becomes more about trying to fill that hole in your soul. The motivation is that you're not worthy and so you need to be better. That you know, for a lot of us now, this you know, the wellness culture is so much about, well, it's a culture. So it's about being cool. So there's lots of negative reasons to do healthy things. And, and I'm really interested in, in that conversation, you know, culturally speaking. That's so funny because, like, you're like, yeah, it is cool to be wellness. When we started um, Fifth Bottom Girls, like, back in 2008, like, that was kind of, like, the hope is that, like, being healthy and fit would be cool and, like, eating well would be cool. And now it is. And now, and now, <laughs> and we're like, what a, what a catch 22. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I'm dying to know here, I've followed you for a long time and, and read a lot of your blog posts and social media stuff. And you always talk about, you know, like I got together with my tribe, I got together with my girls and we like, you know, we hashed this out or really talked about this just kind of with everything that's going on in the world. What are you guys talking about these days? (laughs) (laughs) Oh God. Oh, right. (laughs) Best question. Best question ever. Okay. Let me think. What are we talking about? All right. My friend Christine and I, so she's local. She lives just about four blocks away from me. Also an entrepreneur, also a maker. We are spending a lot of time talking about conspiracy theories and disaster preparedness. (laughs) And the disaster preparedness is really interesting because, you know, I live in Vancouver, B.C., and earthquakes should be a concern of ours. And, you know, just as someone who is, you know, really... You know, I'm very energy oriented and for me it's all about consciousness and you know where spirit comes in and think, what is me preparing for the disaster, help manifest the disaster? <laughs> where should I be putting my energy? And uh, you know, I was walking my son and I were stocking up this weekend with with canned goods. Like we get, went online, looked at everything you should have in your earthquake disaster kit. And it was so good to just laugh about like what we were, we were like, should we have marshmallows in the disaster kit? Like what? <laughs> and, and just the comfort it creates in our nervous system knowing that that's there. So that's one thing we're talking about that. We're talking a lot about how things are so politically charged right now that we think political correctness is killing us, mm. that it's actually become really disempowering. People are very sensitive and therefore sometimes hypersensitive um, and in attack mode because we all feel in defense. You know, our, our civil liberties are in question. Hmm. And so, you know, we're really aware of that sensitivity. So there's a lot of stuff <laughs> that gets said on text that you can't say anywhere else. But a lot of it has to do with, you know, this is the deeper thinking, the deeper conversations with the girlfriends. I think a lot of what's playing out on the political stage right now in terms of racial divide is distracting us. Not that it's not valuable and it does need to be justified and not that I don't fight that fight, 
but I think it's a smoke and mirrors political show that's distracting us from more fatal <laughs> concerns like a nuclear weapon being pointed at everybody in America right now. And that the division, the divisiveness that is being so successfully orchestrated, painfully orchestrated, is keeping us from our power of banding together and fighting together, unified, for the right things. I mean, we should be fighting for health care. We should be fighting for, for good leadership. And instead, we're dealing with uh, other issues. They're important issues. But this is very, you know, this is where we go down the politically incorrect. Right now, if I have to pick my battles and use my platform to talk about um, racial divides or to talk about nuclear weapons and um, the three million people in Puerto Rico mm -hmm. that are basically stranded or about health care, I'm, I'm going to choose issues that threaten all of us. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what that's, I'm talking about. And mascara. Yeah. Let me just lighten it up by saying we've also just discovered magnetic eyelashes, and that's been a big topic <laughs> this week. Thank you. <laughs> okay, wait. So are you using them, and how do you like them? And this doesn't count as my question this round, but I just need to know because I'm <laughs> very into eyelashes. Well, I'm very into eyelashes. I'm, a sci I'm an eyelash scientist. And the lashes just arrived yesterday, and I've just been watching the videos. And what the chicks say are, like, a little tricky to figure out how to get them to click. And once they yeah. click, they're good. So I can let you know in a week or so how they work. I've tried every, every mascara. I've tried the green, eco-friendly, no animal testing. I've tried the evil ones. I've tried the eyelash extensions. I got allergic to the glue. That glue is terrible for you. So stay tuned. <laughs> oh, I will. Bated breath. <laughs> okay. Now on to other very important topics. And this is a little bit of a two-parter because I would love to talk about both core desired feelings and your new planner, which kind of go all together. And um, I saw that your 2018 desire map planner is now available and that's way before the holidays. So as somebody who is just now starting to put gift guides together, let me just give you a really hearty kudos because <laughs> thank you. And I saw that you said that this year the planner has been perfected. And I'm wondering mm -hmm. if you could tell us what's new and exciting about this iteration and for our readers who maybe aren't very familiar with core desired feelings, if you can just give us kind of the quick and dirty on what they are. And I'm sure that in our, um, in the accompanying blog post to this guys, go check and we'll make sure that we've got links to all of this. So if you want to learn more, you know, you will have opportunity. Okay. Core desired feelings. This is all based on, on desire mapping. So my, um, my notion is that in terms of goal setting and ambitions, we've got it backwards. It's we, we come up with these lists of all these things that we want to have and do, and it's stuff that's outside of ourselves. And really, 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 when it comes to goals, the goal you're going after is really about a feeling <laughs> that you want to feel when you get the goal. So if that's the truth, and like that's my stand, that's the truth, then why don't you get clear first on how it is you want to feel? And then everything is about creating those feelings in your life, your bucket list and your business plan and what you're going to do that day, where you're you going to go on vacation, all of it. So the process of desire mapping is getting clear on your core desired feelings. It's like three, four, five, six, if you want, feelings that are really your preferred states of being. 
So that's desire mapping. Now, the day planner works all that theory into your daily and weekly plans, but you don't need to have done the desire map process. The day planner stands on on its own. And I say this every year. I go, this year is better than last year. (laughs) And I'll probably say that next year. I'll be like, oh my God, 2019 is so much better than 2018. But the reason I love, I'm so, if I had to pick one of my child products that were, you know, my favorite baby, it's the planner because I get you every day to think about your heart and how you actually get your soul on your agenda and your true self. And it's about, you know, your core desires, your spirit informing your to-do list, not the other way around. And I'm asking you, you know, a lot of, um, you know, self-help stuff out there, even some day planners now have spaces for gratitude but I'm also including the things that suck, a space for that. Like, what sucks? What is it that you want to change? Because that's your whole life. That's real life. And you can't change it unless you name it. And a regular feature practice in the planner is a stop doing list. I believe that uh, what you stop doing in terms of where you want to go in, with your success can be even more important than all the things you think you need to start doing. Like, you know, in terms of, you know, fit bottom and what, what you women are stand for. It's like, yeah. Do we want you raising your heart rate every day? We want you to start doing that, but how about you just stop all these other things that aren't good for you and you're like halfway there. So I think that works psychologically and spiritually too. So that's, that's the planner. Yeah. There was another question in there, but I just. Oh, no, you got it. Don't know what it, it was. was. Okay. It was um, core desired feelings and planner. So you wrapped it up very neatly in a little bow. Thanks. So with so much going on in your life and this growing business, how do you work in time for fitness or, or how do you let off steam? How do you let that all go? How do you relax? How do you unwind? Uh. Well, I actually, I don't have a, I don't, unwinding, letting off steam, it's not so, that's not the challenge of mine. It's more the fitting in time. Mm-hmm. So I'm a regular meditator mm-hmm. and I would like to say that for everybody who's listening, <laughs> I mean, I'm definitely on the preach about the necessity to meditate. You want to be fulfilled. You want to be sexy. You want to be fit. You need to be taking care of your mental health. And what I've come across recently, I'm just, I'm creating this meditation kit to launch some point in the next couple months. And when I sent it out to some people to review, the response was like, oh, this can be meditation. And I was like, well, yeah, didn't you know? And what I've learned is that so many people think meditation is about sitting down, stoically trying to empty your mind. So there's so many of us out there saying meditation doesn't work for me. And it's just like men or women or the right partner. You just haven't found the right one yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, I don't want to yes. be committed. Yeah, no, you just have to find the right person. You know, I don't want to med- meditate. I can't sit for four minutes. You just haven't found the right practice. It's there. And I guarantee, I don't guarantee, but I bet you'll find something that really, you're just like, oh my gosh, I'm so looking forward to that four minutes or that 20 minutes of that kind of nourishment. So that's that for me takes care of 
a lot of stress and a lot of blowing off steam. The practicality of how I move my body, for me, if it doesn't happen in the morning, it's less likely to happen that day mm-hmm. unless I'm operating on the buddy system. So if I'm going to sweat solo, I got to do it in the morning. If I'm going to work in the evening, if I'm going to sweat in the evening, then that's a girlfriend and I saying, all right, I'm picking you up at 645 for the 715 yoga class or whatever it is. And my, you know, this is how I'm wired. My practice around movement has been, I really do want to do as little as possible for the best results. (laughs) So I've worked, I'm just like 12 minutes on the elliptical with my whole heart and with joy and with focus and the right intervals is way better for both my body and my headspace than trying to like sweat for 45 minutes. Amen. Do what yeah, you like. Absolutely. That's great. Yeah. Can we let's this is away from fitness into <laughs> into the I guess the fitness of parenthood and motherhood. I, I've read that you you've said that your favorite philosopher is your son, which I found really touching. I have a um a two and a half year old and there's there's lots of life lessons there. <laughs> so so what do you mean by the line that your favorite philosopher is your son and then in what ways has being a parent kind of been a spiritual journey for you? Well, I've really learned to just trust that he knows what's good for him. His philosophy works for him at the time. And there's times where I can see like, ah, you know what, staying up later, this isn't healthy. And you got to get off your phone. Like, let's look at that. But he really knows what's best for him. And it started to show up, you know, even when he was like four or five and his dad wanted, you know, got to play soccer, got to be a team player. And my kid would like, he didn't, he wanted nothing to do with it. He run out the field, look at me and run back to me. I could see people, people say to him like, so what sports do you play? And finally, you know, he just worked up the confidence and that has a lot to do with like my support of saying like, all these things are cool. And you just say, you know what? I'm one of those arty kids. I'm not a sporto. And that just shut the conversation right down. I just like, I'm not, I don't worry, but I'm so not worried about how this kid is going to navigate in the world. And in terms of it being a spiritual practice, well, I, th- I mean, I think everything is brings you back to some kind of spiritual lesson. I think we're energetic beings, which is another way of saying, you know, we're spiritual creatures in these little human suitcases. All of it. I mean, how, I mean, he's, he's taught me about love. Like, I really... Once I had him, I really got what all the fuss was about, about being human and about being loving. And when I really experienced that, I want him to be happy as much as I want me to be happy. His happiness is one of my greatest sources of fulfillment. That's love. And if I can translate that to other people, like my neighbor's comfort matters to me. People in Puerto Rico matter to me. People who I don't agree with, their happiness still matters to me. And I can draw on the really pure, pure, pure nectar of loving my child and take that out into the world to love people that are a lot more difficult to love. Oh, that's beautiful. Thanks. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> um, 
So you did a video fairly recently, I think, with Terry Cole about boundaries, like what they are, how to set them. And for someone who is like, I think, probably a lot of women and honestly, a lot of people I know, I'm a people pleaser. Jen is, Margo is to an extent, like we, you know, we like to make everyone happy. I just want you to be happy and have nice things. What, what tips can you give to break that feeling of just wanting to give? And especially when our culture really reinforces the whole good girl, don't be a bitch thing just so much. Mm -hmm. One layer to this is that I want to say it's so healthy to want to give and to want to make sure everybody's fed and has nice things. And that can come out of a really loving, divinely feminine place. So awesome. It's a divine inclination. The good girl thing is actually not about being loving. It's about pleasing the patriarch. So it has nothing to do with being a better person. It has everything to do with being conveniently obedient. I'm going to get highly political here. Conveni- conveniently obediently obedient so that we can be exploited. We as in women so that we can work for less and we can give more, more, more all the time, and we can shut up when, you know, we're too dynamic or asking for change that isn't politically convenient. Change that would cost money because it's change that would include everybody. So that's what the good girl thing is about. At least that's my perspective. In terms of balance and boundaries and giving, I think there's a place where we have to like really honor that impulse to give and say, okay, I want to be generous. How can I be generous? And just like be really conscious and intentional about it. Like I'll give you an example. In the last couple of weeks in my business, we've been, you know, we're getting ready to start creating this new program. I think I'm going to do desire map for couples and, and who's it going to be for and how are we going to price it and how are we going to roll it out? And and then all these other things I want to put out into the world, the meditation kit, et cetera. And I want to do some radical stuff about how we're launching and how we can really use the business as, you know, a tool for social change. And we're like, what do we do this? What, what if we did this? And I was like, it's not quite there yet. It doesn't feel generous enough. Well, if we did this, I'm like, well, it still doesn't feel generous enough. What if we did this? And like, that's it. That's generous enough. Now, how do we, we be that generous and really stand in our value at the same time? That's the question. Yeah. There's a way, if you're really clear that you want to do both, the problem comes in that we guilt ourselves for wanting to be generous. It's kind of almost like we get overbounded, like, oh, I need to take care of myself and they're totally going to take advantage of me. No, 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 no. Just stay in your heart. Stay in your heart. And then stay in you know, have your heart include you and include your intellect. So there's always a way if you're conscious of what you want to do, right? I want to do, I want to live that place of bothness. I want to be generous and I want to have an abundant life. If I'm really clear about that, really committed to that, I'm going to find a solution for sure. Yeah. And super basic, the reason our boundaries are so hooped is because we want to be liked. Mm-hmm. We want to be loved. Yeah. We don't want to be disliked. Have you been and, talking to my therapist? <laughs> no, I've been, no, I've been talking to my therapist. <laughs> oh. yeah. So 
on that route, so loving and celebrating yourself for being exactly who you are, it, for me, I struggle with this because I'm always try, trying to improve myself and be at my best self and do something better and run faster or go, do that better or write better or whatever. And that seems to be like a conflict of like enjoying the moment, right, and celebrating who I am and what I've achieved right now. So how do you reconcile those two concepts? It's hard. So first I recognize that it's not easy. Like it's a struggle. And, you know, like right now in this moment, I haven't sweat in terms of a workout in probably about eight weeks because I've had, I've got some weird fucking virus in Costa Rica. And it's kind of like having mono. Yeah, it's just brutal. Um, I'm, I like, I'm well in so many ways and so happy. So I'm good, but I've had to you know, like getting on the elliptical every morning is is not going to happen right now. So I just have to be like, oh, I have to love where I'm at right now. And oh, this is so cheesy. But even in terms of fitness, especially in terms of business and always wanting to overachieve and overperform, I have to go back. And this comes from a lot of therapy to inner child stuff. And I hate it. Every time my therapist brings it up, I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, <laughs> I get shit done. And I'm, a, you know, and I parent a cool kid. And I do I really need to do this? But when I just do those inner child exercises, like, oh, baby D, <laughs> six-year-old Danielle, what is it that you need? It's amazing how much liberation comes from that how much I get off my case how much more time I have in the day to just like give myself a break yeah so sorry it's not a very sexy answer but inner child helps me helps me be compassionate and productive like here's the thing that we need to realize more self-compassion equals I don't want to say productivity but definitely more fulfillment and when you are fulfilled if you choose to be you can be the right amount of productive that's healthy, not overproductive. Because, you know, I mean, every we, all of us here and everybody listening to this is in the habit of overproducing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Guess what? That is the end of part one of this interview. I know. You want more. You're going to have to wait for more. We had to break this up into two parts because your minds are blown right now. What do you guys say? Oh! <laughs> flip to the b-side guys so we'll come back to you next week with the b-side love this show tell us why in a five-star review on itunes and we'll read it on the air also make sure you are a subscriber if you want to reach out to say hi or have a question about a recent episode yay well feel free to email us at podcast at fitbottomgirls.com and if this podcast jives perfectly with your brand consider sponsoring the show get more info by emailing advertising at fitbottomgirls.com Find all kinds of Fit Bottom goodness online and on social media at Fit Bottom Girls, Fit Bottom Mamas, Fit Bottom Eats, and Fit Bottom Zen. And if books and movies are your thing, check out the other podcast I co-host called Book vs. Movie, which you can find anywhere where you search for podcasts. Thanks for listening.